Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. As you know, I am so blessed to just have an absolute fascination for people and their life stories. And all of these messages we're bringing to you are helping me grow into the person that I believe that God meant for me to be. And I hope the stories that they're bringing are helping you do the same. So I'm so excited to introduce my new friend, another compatriot in this wonderful Assets Are Sexy movement that we have going. I have Kristen Kingsbury here with us today. Welcome, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. So I am so excited to hear about this this young Kristen, because you have a really unique story. So Kristen runs an organization. She's been a leader in real estate for, what is it, like 20 plus years now, Kristen? You know, my first investment, I, I literally bought my first investment when I was old enough to sign the papers at 18 and I'm 40 now. So do the math. Okay. But- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she has this this fabulous company that she's now developed called Get Some Assets and she's really she's just so passionate about teaching families how they can really be a living example of how real estate can work in their life and empower their life and go from average to abundance. So, Kristen, uh, let's just start by having you give us you know, kind of a little backstory about your life, how you started down this road of investing and what you're hoping to accomplish with your business and helping others too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was a kid, when you're a kid, you just don't realize the situations that you're living in are are unlike others, or maybe they're just like others. And I lived in a household where my mom worked, you know, worked her butt off, got up at four in the morning, couldn't drive us to school. I don't remember a single day that my mom was ever able to take me to school because she was always trying to provide for the family. We were the family that the church would bring turkey Thanksgiving dinner over to because we didn't have that. And so that was, I I remember one of the best Christmases, I got a lipstick and I, I, my brother threw it on the roof of the house, but I, I like that (laughs) resonates in my mind because those things were special. And nowadays I look and I'm like, my kids would not be grateful for just a lipstick, you know, like what? So it's just, you look at the shift. Well, at that same time, I had a grandmother and I, who's still around, she's 95. And she ran a real estate company and she invested in real estate and she had built this life of abundance where she could provide for all her children. They all went to college. Many of them were were millionaires by net worth. And yet it was two completely different worlds. And so I looked at that and I saw my mom struggle. I saw my mom living in like domestic violence situations and things like that, raising children was in that. Was she a single and- mom, Kristen? Was your dad no. around? My, my dad left my dad, my parents divorced when I was five. So he was around like every other weekend and things like that. And we were in contact and did a lot with him, but we lived with my mom and she was married to a man who had some drug problems and it just was a a dangerous situation for children to be in. And 
it was, she was literally locked into that situation because of her inability to um, make enough income to get us out. And so she feared us being homeless or she feared us being on the streets. And so we stayed in that situation far longer than we should have. And so being that kid and, you know, waking up to go to school after parents were fighting till four in the morning, cops were at our house, like in waking up in that and then going to school. And I was still expected to get my homework done. I was still expected to show up and be just like all those other kids. And it just, I, it didn't dawn on me till I was older. I became a teacher and those kids got kind of the, the reputation of, Hey, get that kid out of class, get that kid out of school. They're, they're not going to make it. Their environment is too bad. They're not going to succeed. And it just lit a fire under me. I was like, you're going to watch me conquer the world because I am not going to be whatever you put, you know, the stereotype you put on me. And so, you know, I, I was the first one to graduate from high school. I was the first one to graduate from college. And I just like this fire in me just grew. Like my mission is to help women know, I watched my grandmother know how to build income and, you know, how to build passive income, how to build whatever life she wanted to. She traveled with us and we had lots of, lots of blessings. And then I also watched my poor mom struggle because she, she didn't have that background knowledge. And it was mm-hmm. just simply real estate. And so as I as I got into real estate as a as a career, I looked around and the agents didn't own real estate. And I thought, boy, isn't that is weird? isn't that funny? That's an interesting one. I noticed that a lot. And and actually I wonder I was gonna ask you about that because I think there's a lot of people that dabble in it, and that's why, right? Yeah. And real estate as a whole, I feel like that's the industry. I mean, we've got in in my little town of Prescott, Arizona, we have 2000 real estate agents. That's like one for every four people or something, you know, like it's right. crazy. So I would say yes. And they we, we've created this image of, of it's, it's a hobby and it's not a career. And what was interesting is when I looked around and realized these people work their butts off all the time to try to build wealth for other people. And they never slow down to take time to build wealth for their own families. I just started making it my mission first with my peer group of real estate agents. Like, how can I help you own a home? How can I help you own two homes? And it just, it fills me up when I can know that, you know, they can stay home with their kids because they have multiple properties that are paying them enough income to live and they can go on vacations and have those things. And I just I don't tell, know. tell our listeners about that first purchase because you had you made a choice and your brother made a different choice you shared with me and that was okay. interesting. Yeah. So, so when my grandfather passed away years ago, my grandparents had been in real estate forever. It's what we had learned. And there was a piece of property out in the middle of nowhere and they split it. And they, when my grandma, when my grandpa passed away, they said, each one of you grandkids can have this parcel of land. So I sold mine at 18 and I made $10,000 off of this piece of land and $10,000 wasn't enough to buy anything else. But I said, I don't want to spend this. I want to go buy something that makes me more money. I want this to multiply. I want this to be the start of the framework that, you know, feeds my legacy. My brother and my cousin, they said, wow, this is fun. Let's go buy dirt bikes and let's go to Las Vegas. And, and (laughs) I, and that's probably what any 18 year old kid would do. I don't know what I was thinking, but I bought a house. Um, I bought a house in Lake Havasu. I, I paid, I put that $10,000 down. They were in crazy lending at times. And so they gave me a, a mortgage without a job. I had no job. I had, uh, I put 
I put friends in it and made them pay the mortgage. So they rented rooms to pay the mortgage. And then I sold that house. I think we sold that house for a hundred and I want to say $160,000, like two to three years later. And Isn't that crazy. Holy smokes. I was like, I'm addicted to this. This is what I'm going to do. Like I show up for work and they pay me $8 an hour and I can never get ahead, but look what this can do. And so Mm -hmm. I just became addicted to the whole game of real estate. I love it. So, so now fast forward to today, you, you're, you're doing a lot of different things. Talk to us about the diversification and how you might advise others in that space. My, I really believe don't put all your eggs in one basket. You, I, I have seen people put, you know, all their investment money in one particular area and then that market shifts and they've lost everything. And so, but I don't know all of the different investment options. And so what I've done is connected myself to people who do. And so, you know, putting money in IRAs. We have a solo K that, that we have, you know, I dabble and play around in the stock market. It's not my, my specialty. I, real estate is what I know how to do. But just as time grows, just really allocating a little bit of money to put into multiple little buckets, such Mm -hmm. that if one shifts, you're not destroyed, you have another one. And then on the on the real estate side of things, I really just try to look for a need if you can solve a problem, um, or serve a need, like Sharon says all the time, it really is true. This last few years, there's been a need for affordable housing. And so we've been putting manufactured homes on land because people can still afford to get into them. And there's a, a great profit in that. Sometimes the market is, sometimes the market supports more of like a fix and flip sometimes, you know, and, and as you go, you do those fast turn projects to increase your capital such that you can invest in homes that you hold for a longer time. And so over the years, we've we've acquired several rental properties that now pay us passive income. And really passive income is freedom. You know, it, it allows you to, to do what you want when you want with who you want. And that's the goal. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, we had, we've had, we're, we're taught so well from our mentor, Sharon Lecter, aren't we, with her Mm -hmm. assets are sexy movement and everything that she's got going on. So tell me about, you know, I, I really love your story of, so you had this grandmother who obviously her children were well, well taken care of, but there's this vast path of difference between what your mom's path was, and maybe some of the other kids. And now let's think think about our kids' generation. Yeah. So now we have, we have been blessed abundantly financially. And I agree with you. Like my daughter, if she got a lipstick, I mean, it's on her Christmas list, but yeah. you know, it's not necessarily like, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. So what are you doing to help your kids? you know, maybe create a different future for them than what your mom experienced having a a life of abundance and yet not, not continuing that legacy for her own family. That's an interesting concept there, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's honestly, it's a struggle every day and I have to realign myself and ask myself, how am I doing as a mom, making sure that I hold my kids accountable, that I teach them about money. And so, you know, we do from the time that they were little, we play kids cash flow with them. We would play monopoly with them. We have chickens now. And so we talk and we, we encourage them like, go sell the, go sell the eggs to the neighbors, you know, just reminding them that money doesn't come free. You have to take something of value and, and it's a trade, right? 
And, and even down to my daughter wastes food, like you wouldn't believe it. It makes me crazy. And when you go out to eat, it's expensive. So we created a new rule. If you order something that you don't eat, you pay for it. And they were oh, like, I love that. Oh, I'm gonna borrow we're not that. Gonna order, we're not gonna waste anymore because now it's our money, right? And so same thing when my son, if my son gets obnoxious and destroys his sister's toys or whatever, then that comes out of his money and he's replacing it. So we just they have their chores to earn their money. And when they, you know, disrespect what they they've been blessed with, or they, you know, destroy something or, or like I say, order food that they're not going to eat, then that comes out of their pocket. And I try to also be a great role model and let them watch me give. And, and we talk a lot about people's situations and that they're very blessed in the situation that they live in and that that wasn't always the case for, for their parents. And that's not the case for everybody in the world. And so we are stewards of God's money. And our job is to go teach people how to manage it, go help them to create it and, and be stewards of God's money because it's not ours. I love that. I, I'll give you, I'm going to borrow your, what was, so you basically make them pay for it if they don't need it. But yeah. unfortunately meals are so massive. Like I do say you can bring half as leftovers, but yeah. we actually, we, we pay our kids commission uh-huh. and they are part of our family economy mm-hmm. in, in our house. You know, I, I, it's interesting. Do you know who Dr. Greg Greed is? He wrote three feet from gold with Sharon. Oh, yes. He and I were talking about this and he has, he, he has this brilliant you know, thing that he shared with me that I think he would like. So basically he was in a mastermind and he was talking about, you know, kids and allowance and things like that. And he was, he was, the guy was like, what do you, well, what do you pay your son to do? And he's like, well, I pay him to, you know, clean it, make his bed and clean, you know, do his chores, et cetera. And he's like, so does he like doing those things? He's like, well, no, you know, And he said, why don't you try this? Ask him to help you with something that he likes. Like, so he actually had him help him create a TikTok account. Mm -hmm. And he just asked him to do it. Then he paid him for it at the end. And he's like, what's this for? And he, he was like, well, you help me. I'm paying you for it. He's like, well, that wasn't, I wasn't working. That was fun because the concept is that the way that we have our kids kind of doing their chores is that working isn't something they like they have to do that was such an aha moment that's interesting and I my son is a is a little techie geek and he loves that kind of stuff and so I have I paid him to do some virtual tours he's nine so he's not like a photographer yet but but I paid him to edit some virtual tours for me and to get into some software and try to build some stuff and he was working on that's brilliant yeah But yes, it never occurred to me that we should encourage them to generate revenue off of the things that feed them energy. Right. Yeah. Well, and what is Sharon? Sharon has a great comment. She tells people, instead of saying, I can't afford that, saying, how can I afford that? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about, let's get into it around women and money. Okay. Yep. Can we please agree that women need to find their power in money? Yeah. Tell me about your, you know, you're excited about this. You're passionate about this. How are you? You're going to be creating some coursework that you're going to be, it sounds, I know you won't be necessarily excluding men, but I know you have a passion for women as do I. Right. Right. But tell me about that. 
Well, I think it just goes back to, you know, having a mom that I watched struggle and I watched her have to be in relationships that she maybe didn't want to be in because she didn't have the power that money could give her and not that money gives you power, but it does help you to have some freedoms. And, and as I've just gone along, I I was on a panel and, and it was called trailblazing women in real estate and investing. And it dawned on me, like, why, why is there so few women that I'm a trailblazer? Where are these women and why aren't they um, aware that they have the power to do this too. And I'm, I'm a very stubborn woman and it's a good stubborn. My husband and I have been married. Like I, I said, we've been together since I was 19. So 21 years we've been together and that poor man, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? No, not until I can make my own money. Not until I have a college education, not until I have all these things done because I want to depend on me and what it's done. And the huge, I mean, it's a, such a blessing is we walk alongside each other. There's nobody who has a greater power than the other. We are partners in this life and we run together and we support each other's mission. And I don't believe if I, if I had maybe I had to, I had to make myself independent so that I could accept somebody alongside life And I just, I truly believe we need to teach women to do that. And real estate investing is something that it doesn't have to take a lot of money. It's something that women can do all day long. And, you know, for instance, the first property I ever bought, I had $3,000. I think if we try, most people can save $3,000, right? So I, I picked up this rental property. I took over a note. This guy was sick of being a landlord. And it was just a matter of talking amongst people and telling them what my goals are. You know, if you speak your goals out into the world, people start showing up to fulfill them, right? And to help you with them. And so that rental property paid us $900 a month for about 10 years. And then I was like, hey, I can do this. I didn't have to fix it. I could call a handyman or I could trade rent with a tenant. Like it it wasn't, I started small so that I could figure it out. And then it became like, oh, I can do this again and again and again and duplicate it. And, you know, you just do that until you get to a space where your passive income replaces your need to even work. And then you get to really design the life that you want. Yeah, I feel like I feel like so many, you know, women right now, I mean, in our world in general, for those listening, we are in the midst of the COVID crisis, which we thought would be, I remember the day that we had the news came on and said, hey, it looks like schools are going to be closed for a couple of weeks. And that was March 19th, for goodness sakes, you know. (laughs) So Kristen, talk to the people right now in that are out there that are struggling, that are literally not only are they living paycheck to paycheck, they're underwater. You know, what would you tell them about mentorship and, and, you know, raising up your, your circle of influence and that it really, that, that doesn't take any money that Mm -hmm. simply takes asking for help and, you know, absorbing content. Tell us, talk to those people right now. So I used to believe that it did take money for mentorship and I didn't realize, so I had heard for years, you are the the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I thought, well, how can I get in that circle over there? But I didn't know them. I didn't make the money that they made. I didn't have the jobs that they had. I didn't even live in the areas where I could connect with them. And my mentor one day said to me, it can just be the information you digest. It could be a podcast that you listen to. It could be a book that you read. 
like if, if like Joel Osteen, I love that guy, his energy is amazing. And so if that's the energy I want in my life, then that's somebody that I can surround myself with every morning. And so the, probably the easiest thing to do is make yourself a, a student of financial literacy and just start ingesting this information from wherever you have available from your phone, from the library, whatever it is, and, and start speaking your goals because people will connect you to great mentors as they start understanding what your goals are. And one of the things that always really helped me was be willing to do the work. If you don't have the money, be willing to be the labor, right? And so I've always traded labor if I didn't have the funds to do a project. And I never, I never whined about how hard it was. And, you know, it was a trade. And so, you know, getting a hold of finances, I know sometimes it's, hey, I'm underwater. I don't know where to start. It's really the overwhelm and really getting a hold of your mental state first and just saying, you don't have to, you don't have to accomplish everything tomorrow. You just have to take the next best step. And and so getting a hold of your mental state, getting yourself into a, a better mental state and saying, okay, I don't know what to do long-term, but I know the best thing for me to do today to get me closer to my goal is, and just one thing at a time and starting with a budget, truly like, what are oh your, my gosh, thoughts? please, you're preaching. This is my, <laughs> my like jam right now, please families, let's get on a budget. Well, <laughs> Give me your money, a job. Yeah, they they associate budget like it's a dirty word or something. And it's like, no, no, no. What is your what are your must-have expenses and what are your luxuries, you know? And and really understand the difference and have a date with your money all the time so you know where it's going. One of the coolest hacks that I did, and I would recommend this to everybody, was so easy, is I got two bank accounts and I said, okay, my expenses are coming out of one bank account and I'll, I'm going to pay myself first. So there's a book called Profit First. I don't know if you've read it, um, Mike McCallum. I love that book. Awesome. So good. Yeah. Um, and I, I read the book and I'm like, oh, there's a, this is pretty complicated. There's a lot of moving parts, but what's the fir- what's one thing that I can take away from this book and implement in my life? So I started with just go get two bank accounts, put all of your income into one bank account, and then move just your budget money into your expense account. And that account is where all your bills get paid from. If if you are out of money, that means you went over budget. And it was it was honestly the most simple hack that the second I got down to close to zero, I'm like, oh, I'm not following because I'm not a I'm not a real detailed, like write it all out in the check register kind of person. So I needed a simple way to red flag me when I was over budget. And that was was easy because I'd get this alert, Hey, your account is low. And then on the, on the flip side, this one over on the other side was growing like crazy because I wasn't just spending all the money I saw in my account, which is what had happened before. Well, and that, that brings up a good point. Cause I think a lot of families actually are, are better off financially right now because they haven't, they, they do have their jobs, but they're not doing all the extra things. I think, you know, true. so it's actually a great time for people to be you know, mm-hmm. absorbing content from you and learning about different ways, you know, to save and pay themselves first. You know, one question I have is, are you and your husband, you know, every family is our own economy, right? And too many families run their business like 
imagine new, two business owners never meeting to talk about their finances. And that's how 90% of families run their yeah. economy. So are you and your hubby, like, do you, what's your process that you guys go through? I would say I know a lot more about the finances than he does. He goes out and puts in the sweat on his end of the side of the, I, and I'm kind of the, the jack of all trades take care of the whole world. Um, what does he do? Is he in real estate he, with you or is he? No, he's a, he's a builder. He's a builder. Um, okay. So but that, market, that's brilliant. That goes hand in hand. Well, and he needed me when the, when the business started, he needed my help. And so it just was a natural match. And then we kind of built two separate businesses and we operate independently. Now we actually don't do a ton of work with each other anymore, but I'm still kind of the overseer of, of finances. I'll tell you, we have a rule in our house though. We don't spend more than a couple hundred dollars without asking for permission. And it's really funny because I get these people who will call me and they want me to buy a product or they want me to um, sign up for a class or pay for a mentorship. And I sincerely am like, I have to go speak with my spouse because this is his money too. And we have a rule in our house that we don't, and and he's just as good about it. He'll have something that he really, really, really wants. And he knows I'm going to tell him that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but we have that mutual respect. And we come to the table and say, Hey, this is going to cost me 400 bucks. Is it okay if I spend that money? And we just have a mutual respect. We don't, and we also don't hold each other back from having what we want, but we'll check each other. We're kind of a checks and balances, if you will, of each other. Yeah, I think it's so good. And it's actually quite common. I find for women, women to be, you know, kind of the stewards of the money. I wish more women would do it though. I heard a, a startling stat the other day that 70% of women, when they reach retirement are negatively surprised by mm. the result. Um, and it's because they've, it's because they have kind of really, they have really no idea what's going on financially. And let's talk about that. You know, the importance of really, even if your husband does maybe manage your investments or what have you, the importance of knowing what your money's doing as a couple. Yeah. And he doesn't actually, he just goes to work and does his job. And I find the investments and help multiply the money that he's working and making. And, but there has to be a plan. And I think that's where people show up at the end of life and they're like, hey, what happened? There was no plan. They didn't have a strategy to get where they wanted to go. And so, you know, I I work on quarterly at least have a date with your money where you go revisit, like, how are your expenses looking? How's your investment portfolio? Do you have, like, I have a net worth tracker that tells me where I'm at now. And if I have a goal and I want that, you know, that net worth to grow 25% this year, then I ask myself at, at, at the time, at each time that I have a date with my money, what is it that I need to do in the next 90 days that's going to take me closer to that net worth going up? But here's the thing, for several years, for most of my life, I didn't ever track my net worth. I didn't even know that that was necessary. And it's kind of a game. Once you see where you're at, then it's this fun game to get it higher, right? And to... Yeah. to and you you quit spending money on frivolous things that you didn't need and you start spending money on things that will pay you and you start finding ways to have what you want. I love I love the the comment that Sharon always uses about if you don't have it it's not that you can't afford it it's how can you afford it. Yeah. Uh, I'm constantly oh, I want a new Jeep. I don't want to pay for a new Jeep. It's a depreciating asset. So how can I pay for a Jeep? Let's go over there and put the same money down on that condo, rent it and let it pay my Jeep payment. Now I can have the Jeep and the condo. 
And years down the road, the condo is still appreciating, still paying me. It can even buy my next vehicles. That could be my vehicle fund, you know? And that's really, that's how we've also paid for our children's college funds is buying them assets that will appreciate and also pay them income versus just trying to save. Well, because as we know, I'm putting my oldest through college right now. It's a minimum of $100,000 per child these days. It's crazy. Well, and you know, that brings up a really another topic that I'm very passionate about, and that's our debt crisis in our country. Yeah. Because think about the ramifications of us, our generation, not getting our finances in order and t- just the detriment it's causing to our children in late later in life. I mean, in college, college education, you brought that up. It's a great one. There's 1.3 trillion in student loan debt out there right now. It's now surpassed credit card debt. Wow. And, and, you know, it's interesting because when I sit down with people, sometimes they say, oh, you know what? My kids can pay for themselves. They can get loans. They can, but I really think it's because they just are not ready to really get to work on making it be able to happen for them, you know, because there's, there's ways to make money everywhere. It's every opportunities are everywhere. You need to be open to it, right? Yes. And believe in yourself and take, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying and failing. I think like I speak to some people who are kind of in that mode of, well, what can I do? I'm stuck here. And I'm like, why you could, I see, I see, I was in Austin at an event and I had this lady pick me up in an Uber and she had quit being a high level CEO. And she drives around business people to the airport in the morning now for Uber, because it gives her the flexibility and she just likes the people and it buys her some time until she finds her next, you know, her next opportunity. The other day, a gal at the grocery store, I played around with this app and she delivered my groceries. It cost me $10 and I was more than happy to pay $10. If I would have gone to the grocery store, I would have spent more than that. So it's in, there's no lack of opportunity to make side money. It just, but you're right with the national debt. It's actually I think it is a security crisis, to be honest, because we have other countries investing in our mortgages and things, and we just we're we're making ourselves dependent on on other people. And there's there's just nothing good that comes. It like goes back to my story about my mom. If you are not independent and you can't take care of yourself, you're at risk of wherever somebody else wants to put you in life. You know, and we're in as a country. We're borrowing money from other countries in order to supply our habits and our needs. And it's just not, it's not safe. It's dangerous. Well, and that was, that was before the COVID crisis. Good heavens. We're in so much more debt now. It's, it's insane. So, well, I can't believe we're already out of time. I think you and I could keep talking forever. (laughs) Tell me, let us, let our listeners know you know, I know you have some programs you're creating right now that's going to be so valuable to the consumer. What's your what's your ETA and, and give us a thumbnail sketch about what that's going to be like? Yeah. So we are going to beginning of December. So just a couple weeks, launch a 90 day financial challenge. And you can you can find out about it at getsomeassets.com. And it's literally going to be us going through this. Like, where are you with your net worth? 
And it's okay if it's a negative, we're just going to pick a starting point, figure out where you're at and start moving you toward the opportunity to start investing and start building passive income. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about mindset. And because a lot of times you could have the skills and have the system. And if your head's not right, you're not going to get there. So we're going to go through just steps for 90 days on how to get you from where you're at into a position where you can start thinking about investing and making passive income because the goal is for us all to retire at some point. And, you know, it, everybody's in a different spot. So we're just going to meet you where you are. I love it. Oh, that's going to be awesome. You make sure I, I want to get that link too. I'm going to go there too and, and absorb that content if I can. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to connect Sorry, there's an airplane going by right now. <laughs> I, everyone, for those of you listening, I always get to record on my patio, my favorite office. So occasionally I have an airplane coming by, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been lovely to catch up with you. And I can't wait to see what you and I are going to create together. We're going to have some fun. I'm and to, to our listeners, I'm so blessed to be part of your day. You know, I hope these stories are bringing you some inspiration in your pocket that will enable you to make movement in your in your life to make it more abundant. So bless you in this amazing life journey and I'll see you soon. Hey Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.